Thanks so much for tuning in to NL Newsday on this Wednesday, September the 15th. Now, yesterday, BC's health minister made the announcement about 24 ambulance stations in rural communities such as Ashcroft, Barrier, Lillooet, Sycamuse, Clearwater. They're going to transition from on-call staffing to 24-hour service. Health Minister Adrian Dix saying the expansion in service next month is possible as there will be eight full-time paramedics now in each of those communities. Also, adding to that, eight new paramedics going to be added to the city of Kamloops, part of 85 such positions meant for larger urban communities. So to talk more about this expansion, pleased to be speaking now with Troy Clifford, president of the Ambulance Paramedics of BC. Troy, how you doing here today? I'm doing well, Jeff. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I appreciate your time. So I wanted to really get into the uh, port, part about this when it comes to those smaller communities, because they have been, you know, dealing with, I guess, part-time staff, people who have been working sort of on call, and I believe they were only getting that, you know, $2 per hour pay, right, to sit around and wait until a call came in, at which point, if they did have to respond to a call, they would see that wage, hourly wage go up. But this, I think, is, is a pretty significant piece for the rural areas around the city of Kamloops and a number of other rural communities here in British Columbia. Do you think this is going to make a massive impact on on serviceability here in, in those smaller communities? Uh, absolutely. So this is the announcement we're talking about is uh, a lot of the stuff that was announced in, in mid-July by the minister when, they, you know, after the heat film and the and really the exposure of and questioning of the ambulance service response and um, uh, capacity to deal with the, uh, sh- the increased call volumes, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, the announcement uh, on Monday was really around a lot of uh, an update on a lot of that stuff. And as you described, um, those communities that were added around uh, in the Camelot Thompson region, Chuchwap, were incredible increases from the on-call model that we were talking about, the scheduled on-call and, and the precarious work that we talked about, the $2 an hour. So that really changed uh, the dynamics in the surrounding communities. That was on top of the previously announced uh, changes for Chase and Salmon Arm, um, and Enderby and Armstrong, and then you talk Merritt, um, that had already been increased to a 24-hour ambulance uh, as their primary response unit. So now we're seeing a pretty much a 24-hour ambulance in, in all the communities in, in, that are rural and larger in the province, which is a huge improvement and investment in the ambulance. But we're still seeing those that work in the call-out. So, you know, we're, we're, Logan Lake will have the on-call model and a lot of the smaller communities, Clinton, um, and that so the, we're seeing improvements definitely and this is a real step in the direction for immediate responses in those communities that uh, have been challenged to maintain the staffing and that um, where we're seeing the real challenges is in recruitment uh, into the profession that's uh, to support the uh, secondary ambulances and that's based on that on-call model that you described as two dollars an hour yeah so do you, do you see this being a, a significant difference in being able to at least do some recruiting now that there's a few more full-time positions here i mean it makes it more attractive to know you're going to be getting an actual living wage as opposed to sitting around uh for two dollars an hour just having to hope you get a call although you probably at the end of the day aren't really hoping to get a call because you don't want anyone to go through an emergency but you're hoping somebody does so you can actually get paid yeah so there are two distinct different uh, issues there and one is the improvement of immediate responses and full-time work is definitely uh, an improvement and that's conversion of those on-call positions so a lot of on-call members that had previously been part-time are going to get full-time positions either in some of those communities or um, ultimately in vancouver or the larger centers uh, but so that will be attritioned out. What we don't have is uh, enough people coming into the profession to, to support uh, the attrition and those changes, and that's really where the area of focus needs to be. So they're not directly linked, um, 
but uh, okay, definitely, it definitely exposed our need to get more, uh, and that's the recruitment side of this, that we, we need to change that model um, in support so that we uh, make sure that we get enough people coming. And the only way to do that is to keep the pressure on and work with the government to either negotiate that, a change to that, or really change the uh, precarious work model to uh, more of a compensation that's meaningful for to get people into the profession, um, or um, change the pay scheme model that uh, will allow to ensure that we have the secondary ambulances and that uh, uh, mm-hmm. coordinated staff. Do you see any issues with actually filling any of these positions? I mean, even just talking about the 85 positions for the larger urban communities, I imagine those will be, you know, in, in, in high demand for people who might be in those rural settings right now looking to move into a bigger center. Um, but since you mentioned just sort of recruitment issues um, and, and getting people into the profession, is there enough bodies around that are, are trained and ready to go to actually fill all these positions that were announced yesterday? Yeah, within the organization, we definitely do. Where it's going to put pressure on is the the, the filtering up from those smaller communities to mm-hmm. the less senior So um, it's allowing more uh, flexibility for people to stay in their communities and work because we're hiring locally, but also allowing people to get back to their community that maybe had to move somewhere. But uh, it's it's moving down the uh, the hiring seniority um, from a where how long it's taking to get into the entry level full time positions in the lower mainland. And so, as long as we can find a way to recruit people into the profession, because there's a lot of people taking the EMR or the paramedic training through the various academies. But, you know, in Kamloops, for instance, and, you know, in the interior, we're seeing a lot of medics being drawn into industry as admitted, and, and they're making incredible money because there's so many opportunities. So, when you, you have a choice to go work in private industry, or in other areas of health or public safety, and you can get more meaningful wages, people are making that choice. So unless we can entice the people with uh, motivation and, and, quite frankly, money and benefits, um, we're going to continue to see those uh, pressures on not being able to recruit. We also have to recruit from, you know, the communities, the Indigenous communities, and those locals that provide that local volunteer paid model. Um, so it's a combination of both. So. Those are the challenges we're facing, Jeff. It's uh, it's tough, um, and you know we're working with the government. They've been they're acknowledging this, and I think by the pressure, the additional resources they put in is a real big step. But we need to really look at that how we're going to recruit and address those ultimately. Have have there been issues at all over the course of this pandemic? Because, you know, we've been going through COVID-19 and that's caused its own set of challenges. And of course, we know yeah. we're dealing with the opioid crisis, which has been ongoing for a long time. And, you know, we keep talking and hearing about paramedics who are really getting burnt out as a result of, of all the stresses that they're being put on them over the last couple of years. Have you seen people leave the profession that maybe would see something like this and say, oh, now I have a little bit more help on my side. Uh, maybe I should get back into it. It, like is that something that is potential here at all yeah i think that those, both those questions are right we have seen people leaving they're just not prepared to put that or they've changed to put in minimal availability and working in the industry as we talked about or working in other professions and that they you know they they're the fatigue the um, workloads that put a lot of pressure on people it's affected their mental health and wellness we're seeing people off but we're also seeing people that you know what it's not worth it uh, i put a sacrifice a lot so and that's add to that recruitment retention or the more the retention side of things. Um, so yeah, we are seeing that, but I think that when people see the positive and if we can get that governance in place that the minister announced and the changes that need to happen, uh, I think we will recruit people back into this, but we've got to change the uh, morale and the commitment to staff's wellness um, to really convince them. They're not, they're not going to 
this got, it took us a long time to get to the state we're in. And I think that adding, uh, we need to show them. Uh, and I, when I say we, it's not just the union and the profession. We need to, the employer and the government needs to say, you know, and I think we're there on some mental health and wellness stuff. But uh, we need to change the culture and get rid of that uh, precarious work and acknowledge the the profession in these communities so that they, they know they're a valuable part of the community. Um, and, and the stuff we're talking about is exactly how we'll do that. And that will get people back into the profession. That's what I was hoping to hear. Uh, I think that's all on this for now, Troy. Definitely a, a very positive move for uh, ambulance services here in our province and especially in those rural communities. And then even even in bigger centers such as Kamloops, getting eight additional full-time paramedics, I think will be pretty significant for, for those working in, uh, in paramedics here in our community. So this is a good announcement. Last thing I do want to ask, though, just before uh, I do let you go, since I have you on the line, um, I know you talked about it on the Mike Smith Show here earlier today, but I just thought... I get a quick comment from you about the mandatory vaccines. Um, do you see this having any, you know, real problems? I know the nurses union is out saying they don't approve of mandatory vaccines for their uh, union members, but how are you feeling about this from, from the paramedic side of things? And, you know, do you foresee any problems with uh, paramedics who are currently on the job refusing to get vaccinated uh, and, and, and potentially losing their, their employment as a result? Yeah, so we, we've been uh, very supportive of vaccinations, as you know. Uh, we've been encouraging the public to do that. Uh, we also got the notification on early this week, and we knew it was coming, or we anticipated it coming. Um, so we've been monitoring it very closely and working with the uh, the various uh, government agencies and that. And uh, our hope is that they won't uh, have impacts on terminations and that. We have a very small group of, well, percentage-wise, we have 4,500 members, as you know, across the province. There's a percentage of them that uh, are definitely uh, not supporting uh, mandatory vaccinations. Um, but I can tell you that we know our numbers are uh, between 90 and 95% uh, of paramedics across the province are vaccinated. Um, so that's a very high number, and that's what, uh, for me, that's the, the message I'm receiving and the, and the guidance I have from our membership and the profession, that we are an evidence-based profession, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we, our clinical practice and our protocols are all based on evidence. So I think that we have to follow the guidelines and the principles and the, and the direction of the experts um, to uh, get us through this COVID and if that means, uh, you know, supporting vaccinations, then we need to do that. And we'll deal with the uh, um, we really want to make sure that we uh, support this. And But we also have to support those members if they choose not to, uh, what that means on their uh, employment consequences. And, and if the, I believe they have to have cause to terminate. And I don't think that we should get there. I think we need to work with educating um, and finding alternate places if they can't work uh, and identifying who they are and how many are. Um, but, you know, when you talk about uh, less than 5% of 4,500 members, um, my worry is that uh, if they chose not to and they couldn't work, that what impact that has on staffing. But uh, on the counter to that, I say, well, if, they, if, if those members got COVID, they wouldn't be able to work mm-hmm. and that impact our staffing even worse, in my view. So... Um, so those are, you know, we're, you know, we are, it's a challenging, complicated issue, and there's very polarized views on it. Um, we're trying to just stick to the evidence and what's best for our patients, paramedics, and the public. Um, and that's really our focus, and we'll support our members uh, through the proper, you know, mm-hmm. legal process, collective agreement rights, and do our best to make sure that uh, we can educate everybody. 
Troy, thank you so much for your time today. Always enjoy having you on the show, so really appreciate you coming back, and uh, we'll we'll hopefully have a time to catch up in the not-too-distant future, but really appreciate your time today. Anytime, Jeff. You have a great day. Yeah, you too. Troy Clifford right there, president of the Ambulance Paramedics of BC. So